Hey, we're back with the Change Podcast. I've so excited. I've been long anticipating this episode. This is my friend Ishmael Morris, and he is from the the town where the Kansas City Chiefs play, which is Kansas City. And uh, we're excited about being able to have him talk a little bit about uh, his testimony. And Ishmael has been, uh, we've been getting to know each other now for the last couple of weeks and uh, super excited about his background because it is going to bless you all as he goes through his story and his testimony and his encounters with Jesus along the way. Ishmael, why don't you just take it away and just share with us your, your, your background, your story, your testimony, and, and, you know, your encounters. We'd, we'd love to hear them. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, getting into it, um, man, I've had some pretty wild spiritual experiences and, uh, been spread out a little bit over my life, but especially the last about two years have been, I think what a lot of people would call dramatic. And, uh, and it's just really amazing what the Lord has stepped down into my life to, to do and to, to connect with me when I did not deserve it. And I was not frankly looking for him the way that I probably should have been. And so I really hope that whoever's listening to this, that this is a, uh, an encouragement that, um, number one, there is zero question of whether or not, uh, there is a God out there and there's zero question of he is, uh, just absolutely in love with you. And if he wants more to be a part of, to be more part of your life, uh, there's zero doubt in my mind. And I know it not just for me, but for every single other person. Um, and I wish I had more time to talk on all the other pieces of it, but we're really going to focus on what um, the Lord has, has done in my life and, and some of the things that he's said to me and uh, and the circumstances I've been in and many things like that. So yeah, I guess uh, getting into it, I grew up in um, a small town in Kansas here, Hillsboro, Kansas, about 2,500 people. And, um, it was just me and my mom, you know, my, uh, my mom, I'm gonna spend a little bit of time on her because it's really a really foundational, big part of my story. And so I grew up, uh, again, it was just me and her, we were on welfare, had absolutely no money. My, um, dad, uh, and my mom got, uh, pregnant out of wedlock and then annulled and separated before I was born. And so it really was just me and my mom. Both of my parents had, um, struggles with schizophrenia and some mental illness along the way. And, you know, I'm growing up in a small town in the 1990s, Hillsboro, with, uh, um, you know, a, an African-American dad and a white mom both have, you know, my, and my dad lived an hour away in a different town. And so definitely a challenging time for my mom because she was, uh, you know, surrounded by a, a town of people who, you know, it was a very interesting place. It was a very unique situation, you know, small town gossip, small town, everybody knows everything. However, it was a, there's something very unique and special that the Lord has done there, maybe for another conversation. Um, but with, uh, man, with there are just pockets of people that really love the Lord. And he's there's, it feels like there's almost been extra attention on, on some, uh, some things there, maybe in that space. But anyways, there's also a lot of judgment and some racism and a lot of other things. And so it was kind of a challenging time for her. And so she spent, uh, uh, she grew up with some, um, some physical abuse from, uh, from family. And so she, they think that's possibly where some of this, mental illness stem from. And so she, uh, struggled with a lot of things. And I remember a lot of times, you know, I have many, many stories, but a couple of the bigger ones were one of the earlier memories I have when I was about three years old, you know, my mom was, was great. And she was an amazing mom, loved me always, took care of me always, uh, worked hard for working three jobs for most of the time that I knew, uh, remember her growing up. But when she would get off of her medication, 
um, that stability started to slip. And, and generally, uh, it was it was hard because I saw her um, as this woman that loved the Lord and saw many amazing experiences around her. But she also, with uh, some of her mental illness, would start to blend what she felt like was the Lord telling her things and her own mind telling her things. And so that was quite the paradigm that I saw growing up. And so what would happen is she would feel like the Lord was telling her to get off of her medication, which was really a stabilizer. So she would just stop taking it. And then she really would start to go down on a, on a backward slide. And so when she, I remember what time she got off her medication and, um, she, uh, in Hillsborough, they had a, a little fly around, so they would have a tiny, tiny airport. And on one Saturday a year, you could go to the little airport and get a ride in the plane and they would take you up, do one clip, quick lap around the town, then set you down and they get the next person. Right. So, um, the next day was a Sunday. And so I remember my mom waking me up really early. It was still dark outside and I was probably three or four. And she said, um, Hey, it's time to get up, gather your things. The Lord's telling me we got to get away. And so, you know, three or four, I don't know any better. I said, okay, grab my favorite blanket. Remember we had some canned goods, et cetera. And the next thing I remember, somehow we are in the plane at the little runway, just me and her. It's like, dawn is coming up. So it's kind of getting light outside. I remember just looking down at my lap, sitting on my favorite blanket and there's all these canned goods around me. And she has the plane started. She has no clue what she's doing, but she's trying to take off, you know? And, uh, at that moment, um, somehow somebody runs onto the airfield. I don't know, even know why they were there and jump in the plane and kind of take the keys out and off she goes away till, uh, to this small mental hospital in a nearby town. And so many, many stories like that, including, you know, times where a friend and I were riding in a car together, um, to go, or his friend was spending the night. My mom decided that she, uh, and this was probably third grade or under and uh, a friend and I were in a car together or in spending the night at my house. And my mom decided she needed to go to, to, uh, a neighboring town that was 30 minutes to an hour away. And so uh, we got in the car, you know, both of us in the back, you know, at whatever age, eight or under, and she, knew that she was low on gas, but she decided it was a time that she was going to trust and test the Lord. And so she didn't want to get gas. And so we drove all the way out and we're basically, we're in between these towns, you know, so there was nothing out there. It was on a highway and she runs out of gas on the highway with one Man. son and, and then another little kid in the car and before phones, before cell phones, right in the, in the mid nineties. And so she has nothing to do. And it was like dusk. And so I just remember her being gone for a really long time. And so she made whatever, you know, process of decision-making and she left us two in the back of the car on the side of the highway. And she hiked like six miles or something. I don't know how she got there. I don't even remember. I just remember it was a really long time and I uh, went to a gas station and I just remember her coming back with a gas can and a trucker dropped her off and she had like a small gas tank, you know, and they filled the, she filled the car with gas and it was enough to get her to the, to the next town. But lo and behold, we got to the next town and she decided she was going to trust the Lord again and uh, didn't get gas. And then on the way home, we ran out of gas. And this time we pulled off on like a side road um, in a small town or in the country. And I just remember it was it had to have been fall or something. because It was kind of cold in the car. And we had a blanket in the back and we were sleeping. It was nighttime. You know, it was just me and my buddy and my mom. We didn't have any communication. We were just kind of stuck there and uh, didn't know any better, you know, and I just woke up to a police officer knocking on the window with a flashlight in there, you know, the frosted glass. And he's looking in and seeing two kids in the back and a woman sleeping in the car, you know, not a good look. And uh, rolls down the window. He asked my mom what's going on. And my mom doesn't even respond. 
she just kind of looks at him and, and I know what she was thinking. You know, she's trying to, she's like, Lord, you know, and she started praying. She's like, allow this car to start. And she tries to turn the keys and it doesn't start. And he like reaches in and, you know, thinks she's trying to leave with these kids. She's not even responding to him. So rips the keys out of her hands, drags her out of the car. We go home in a squad car. She goes off to, you know, jail and then mentally, you know, I have probably 10 to 15 stories like that of, of differing variety. But, uh, so that was kind of my childhood, but in that, yeah. I heard yeah. a lot of stories from, from her, uh, that made it complicated to just think that the Lord was not also working in those circumstances. And the most specific one I remember, you know, many times she, or one time she went to the, she would come home, you know, from being at this mental institution and she would be coming back into stability, but she would, uh, remember one time she told me, she's like, I lined, I, I got there and, um, you know, she's just praying that the Lord would use her and, and be with her and protect, you know, she's, I, I can only imagine what that feels like to be so confused, you know, thinking you're following the Lord, but then going down, I mean, just has to be a lot in, in your own mind at that time. Right. But she said that she lined up or she got up to the door um, and started walking down the hallway at the mental institution. And there are all these doorways that led to these patient rooms. And she said that she started walking down the hall and all of a sudden all the patients just started lining up at the door and they were like, what are you doing? Like, we know why you're here. Um, why have you come here? You know, things like that. And she proceeds to tell me that she was able to, to minister to and to, to witness to uh, many people that were in there. Um, and I know that she felt that there was some, some spiritual warfare that was, was fought in those, uh, in those places as well. Again, maybe a story from that time. So anyway, so that's what I grew up with. Right. So I grew up with this, yeah. um, like this, probably Pentecostal churchish, you know, my mom spoke in tongues. I had no idea what that was. She didn't really explain it well to me. It's confusing. I thought we thought it was weird. You know, I still remember it to this day, hearing it, you know, the, the anointing the head with the way, you know, all the stuff. And, uh, but I didn't know that that was any different. You know, I just, I didn't know how to label, right. And we'll come back to that. But so I went through that and, and, you know, many, many stories throughout my life, but then, and I was saved probably around five, you know, really early on, grew up in the church and had good, you know, believers around me, Christian people around me. But uh, I, I feel like the majority of my life, you know, I always was, uh, you know, I prayed a lot. My mom did an amazing job. Like genuinely, she, as much as I can remember, especially having four kids of my own now, uh, being married for almost 10 years this May, um, she did an amazing job almost every single night that I can remember from the youngest age possible until I was 16, we did a, a short devotional um, and a prayer and a Bible story every night. So it was just this process of um, not just reading the word, but her goal was to get the word inside of me. And so I could know the Bible, right? And I, I think, again, the, the, that allows the spirit to work even more is when we know the word inside of us, right? We'll come back to that, maybe another, another podcast. But so with that, um, that was her goal. And I had no idea what was going on, you know, in Awanas, you know, some Bible memory verses, like the whole thing. And she was so passionate about the Lord. And so her jobs throughout the year, she was all, you know, we had no money, but she was always working multiple jobs, keeping things afloat. But she was absolutely the, uh, the poster child for what I would say by vocational work and living. Right. So her job or her goal was to find whatever job she could do that would, would allow her to witness probably the most and earn income. Right. So, and so she was, you know, at five years old, I can remember her as soon as I went to kindergarten, she was opening up a gas station, one of the two gas stations in town at like 5.00 AM. So I was getting myself ready, getting cereal, getting dressed and getting, you know, a mile across town walking or, or riding my bike to, to kindergarten, you know, from day one. And so, you know, different time, different place in the early nineties, you know, small town is very different, but 
would never let my kids do that now. Right. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I was, I knew this independence from a very early age, but also I, you know, my mom worked, um, doing that, but she also worked in the nursing home, the local nursing home, and she would clean the floors and she would do the things, you know, janitorial stuff. But her purpose was to be closest to the people who were closest to meeting Jesus because they were closest to dying. Right. And so I have recordings of her witnessing and, and sharing testimony, her testimony with people, um, that. And so that's the type of uh, environment I grew up around with a woman who was just passionate for the Lord, but also had a lot of issues. Right. And so I saw both sides of the table on that. And then I can only imagine, you know, as a father now looking down, I didn't know what the outside world was thinking or anything as a kid, but now looking like how the community must have seen her and how my friends, parents and families must have seen her, you know, it was, uh, it was a lot, you know, I can imagine it was quite a bit, but um, so fast forward to when I was 16, about to turn 17, um, we found out that she had a, uh, rare type of leukemia. They gave her two weeks to two months to live December of 2007. Um, and I honestly never really thought I was like, why would, why would God let her die? Like I genuinely did not think that that would happen because her entire life, I'd never really met someone more devoted to everything they do being pushed towards advancing the kingdom than her. So I'm like, she's 40, you know, 48 at the time. I'm like, you know, there's no way. And so fast forward from December to March four on my birthday, 17th birthday, uh, we're sitting in the hospital um, here in, in the city in Wichita. Uh, and the doctors come out. She'd been through a little bit of chemo. Hair was almost all gone. You know, she's laying on the bed unresponsive. She had an internal temperature of 109, over 109 degrees. I think your brain starts shutting down at 106, 107, something like wow. that. So they tell us, uh, you know, she's got at most a couple hours to live, you know, minutes to hours, something like that. And right. uh, my aunt and, and I believe my uncle were there and I was there, maybe a couple other people. But I just remember walking over to the window and um, overlooking the parking lot. I can still see it to this day. And I, I just remember praying like, very simple. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what it is. I'm just not ready. And that was it. And man, it was probably 20 or 30 minutes later. Um, not a whole lot longer than that, maybe if that, and the doctors came back out and they're like, Hey, we don't know what's going on, but she's actually, her body temperature is coming down. She's actually becoming a little bit responsive, et cetera. And she ended up over time getting better, um, coming back home and going back to work. Right. And so over a couple of several weeks, maybe a month or two, and so the miraculous, and I found out later that my aunt, so my mom worked for, uh, or worked for, she was a missionary in Mexico for five years before I was born doing different things, excuse me, but she also uh, was involved with IHOP and, and frankly, all of these things, you know, I think it was in Chicago, but all these places across the country before I was born. And I have no idea, like I, even to this day, I don't really know, um, a lot about her before, you know, I was born. And so just real quick. Yeah. A lot of people listening might not know what IHOP is, but IHOP isn't International House of Pancakes. Yeah. It's International House yeah. of Prayer. Right. Yeah, sorry. I'm glad you <laughs> that, I didn't know until mm -hmm. like I have a buddy in ministry was like sharing with me. This was like a year and a half ago. And he's sure, like, sure. yeah, we were, we were at IHOP. And I'm like, for how long? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were there for hours just praising yeah, right. them, you know, years in man. the spirit and all this stuff, you know, and like at like one sitting kind of thing. I'm like, Oh, this isn't, this isn't the restaurant. Yeah, he's like, oh, no. yeah, it's a ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's so funny. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry to take you off course. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, absolutely. So sorry. So she's involved with, with that ministry and, and all these things. And so, you know, um, 
Yeah. And so I am, uh, I found out that my, my aunt had called this, um, on all the contacts that she had had and just was asking for prayer. And so she had, um, she'd done all these things. And, uh, so apparently we just had this volume of people all praying, I guess about the same time that I was praying, you know, which uh, I didn't realize. So anyways, so fast forward to like April or something, she ended up coming back home, maybe late March and going back to work, you know, I was going through chemo again and I was like, yep, that's it. Like, Lord, I knew it, you know, but at the, and at the same time, you know, our relationship was not great. I will say, um, you know, I was in my teenage years and, and, you know, looking back as like, man, I, you know, typical teenagers kind of stay away from their parents more than, more than they had before anyways. But also I was fully starting to understand a little bit more about how, how frankly weird, you know, my mom really was, you know, between the whole dynamic and I was involved in, in sports, playing multiple sports and friends became my, my life. And I just wanted to get away from all of that. And so, you know, that was going on with my mom. And so I was like, you know, just, I was just gone a lot, massive regrets of a lot of that, but I was just gone a lot during that time. And so, um, but then, um, back in June, 2008, uh, July, sorry, 2008, she actually ended up going back on a hospice in the house, started going downhill again. And then in the end of August, um, she was in the hospital. She'd been back in the hospital for a couple of weeks, but I had talked to her on a Saturday night. It was like the 24th or something like that of August in 2008. I talked to her on a Saturday night, um, on the phone. I said, you know, Hey mom, how you doing? She's like, uh, doing really well. Actually, I walked 12 laps around the hospital. The doctors think I might be coming home soon. I'm like, amazing. That's, that's fantastic. And, you know, again, I still was like, well, if the Lord brought her back the first time, the second time is just a, a another notch in the belt of her testimony of what he's done in her life. Right. Like that's, that's all this is going to be. So I'm like, great. I honestly, that's amazing, but I honestly didn't expect anything less. And so we hang up the phone. I stay up late watching Saturday night live, you know, back at the time when it was good. And, uh, um, I remember I went to bed late, like after one, one thirty in the morning, something like that. In our house, we lived in this tiny little house my mom bought for ten thousand dollars back in nineteen ninety. You know, the the internal I was joke, the internal, you know, the temperature, the AC inside, it was in the in the summer especially, was whatever it was outside. You know, windows were open in August. That's what it was. And so I had this little screen that was open and, and my bedroom was it was a one bedroom and they converted the loft from my the attic for my mom. But so I slept in the one bedroom that was on the porch. And I remember laying down in the bed and just thinking to myself or, and, and praying and just being like, uh, just feeling this peace about everything with my mom. She'd be like, and my prayer was very simple. And it was, Lord, um, I, I feel peace about this and I'm good. So whenever you're ready to take her home, I'm good with it. Almost verbatim that. And, uh, and, and not thinking it would be for a long time. And then, um, I woke up at about 5am to my grandma and my aunt and uncle, outside on the steps and they were calling my name through that window. And I went and opened the front door and, uh, they said, Hey, your mom passed away this morning. Um, and turns out it was within uh, 20 or 30 minutes of me praying that prayer time of death, you know? So saw the, these bookends of, of the Lord working miraculously on those things. So that was my first experience. And your podcast is called the change podcast. Um, but I would say that's not the moment that I was changed, you know, sure. that was, sure. that was, a changing moment in my life, but yeah. it was not the moment that I was really changed. I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. So anyways, I would say beyond that, you know, um, and that, again, that was the first week of my senior year of high school. So it was kind of a, a wild time. Um, but the Lord was looking back the, I, I believe, uh, Jacob says, um, in the Bible, he says he's looking back and he's like, man, the Lord was here. The Lord was present and I didn't know it. 
And I, I really felt like that was a large part of my life, like the, the blessings, the people that came into my life, you know, friends and families that rallied around me. And I mean, it was a full community effort and made me feel as good as I possibly could have felt. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't go down a crazy path. You know, I didn't drink till I was 21. Um, you know, I wasn't doing a ton of crazy things, chasing girls. I wasn't, you know, I would say that um, I lived within the guardrails of biblical morality, honestly, for the majority of, of my life. And I just had good people around me to keep me, keep me solid in that. And obviously the, the foundation of what my mom laid for me, you know, I would say something that I almost forgot, but I would say that not having a father, especially my father, um, specifically, I won't say that for everybody, having a father is wonderful um, as a dad necessary, but not having the father that I had present was the best thing that could have happened to me probably. Right. Because what my mom did is she looked at me and what I knew from what she taught me was the only father figure I had was, was God in the Bible, right? It was, this is what, how a heavenly father acts. This is how a heavenly father loves. This is how a heavenly father should treat you, et cetera. And so I just didn't know. Right. So I had this, this void and he never wanted to be a part of my life, you know? And I was like, you know, I, that was hard for me to understand, but at the same time it was absolutely for the best. And so, um, I would say that beyond that, uh, for the next 14, 13 or 14 years until I was 31, approximately, I was, uh, kind of just bobbing along, like I said, within the guardrails of morality. Uh, but, but looking back, I was a lazy Christian, you know, I was still going to church. I was still, you know, praying and reading my Bible, probably less frequently should seasonally, right. As, as we all do. Um, but I was always generally involved in some kind of Bible studies. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and I, and honestly, I really thought that that was all that the walk of a believer was right. Just Lord, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do these things and be involved in Bible study. I'll pray, try to learn more about you through, through the word. Um, and then, you know, if there's opportunities for me to be fruitful, you know, as the Bible asks us to be fruitful, um, you know, just step into that as, as we find it. But um, man, there is so much more than that. So much more. And I had no idea and no one ever told me I didn't have any, I didn't know, you know, and so I'll, I hope that this is an encouragement. The things that have happened in the last year can be an encouragement for everybody. So along the way, I got married in 2014 and 27, 18, we had our first daughter. And then in a, uh, in a three year window, we had three babies and the last, so now we have four, right? And so the last three of those kids, so we have four, the last three were within 30 months, no twins. So we just had 14 months apart and then 16 months apart from that. So we had zero, 14 and 16 months, you know, so it was just a, a really, it was, it's a lot, right? So it's life is, life is a lot right now, but, um, in that time, Woo. Uh, yeah, exactly. So in that time, uh, so two boys and two girls or sorry, two girls, then two boys. So in that time though, we had, a. Uh, um, been living in a house, our first house we bought for about six years or five and a half years, something. And we, uh, you know, had started my business and things were going well, uh, got involved in a couple other businesses on the side. And so we decided we we're going to build a house, right? Then the Lord's been very, we've been very blessed in a lot of ways, but, um, so we're going to build a house. And so we sold our house in 2022 uh, in November and we moved into a rental while we were moving into is that timeline, right? 2021. Sorry. We sold our house in 20 in November 21 and we're going to move in and COVID and all the craziness was still kind of delaying a lot of the, the supplies and all that. So got kicked out longer. So we're in a rental house. Well, I moved, my wife was like seven months pregnant when we moved. So I moved our entire house mostly by myself between like 8 PM and like 
1 or 2 a.m. for like two weeks straight because it was just down the road. Great situation, but it was a lot. And so we had two babies that were um, two and a half and under at that time. My wife was pregnant and I was moving everything plus running business. It was a lot, right, for, for us. And so um, my, my wife's father uh, had actually gotten sick with a, a kidney disease about three months, nine months after we got married and ended up passing away back in 2015. And so when that happened, um, a lot of things happened to my wife emotionally. She uh, really started to struggle with debilitating anxiety and depression. Our marriage, I mean, she was a, a different woman than the woman that I married for a lot of the time. And so it just, a lot of things changed. So it wasn't as always as easy. And then as we started having kids, things got more and more pronounced. Um, as far as just like not communicating well, not enjoying, you know, it wasn't easy being, it wasn't as smooth and just comfortable being around each other all the time, you know, uh, et cetera. And so as we got into this hard time of living in a, a cramped space um, in our rental house and three new babies, because our son was born in January of 22. So shortly after that, uh, so we had three kids, three and under, and we were living in a cramped space. My wife's going through postpartum and, you know, depression and some of these other things. Like it was you know, running businesses in the middle of winter. Nobody could get outside. It was just hard. It was a lot. And I emphasize that because that was a turning point in my life right there. Because at that point, neither of us ever wanted to get divorced. Like that was never on the table. Right. But we just didn't have what I would say is a good marriage. And I've been looking around at our friends like, you know, what is um, I know that they're their marriages aren't as good as they maybe appear on the outside, but they have to be better and more fun more than what we are. Anyways, we just weren't having, it was a time we were just not having a lot of fun. And it got to the point where, you know, my wife, Ellen, she's like, I need help at the house. Like we got these babies, like I'm, I'm struggling mentally, you know, with a lot of different things. Um, rightly so. Right. And she's like, I just need you home. And I'm like, well, I get that, but I'm also trying to run these businesses and, you know, I have these Bible studies that I want to go to and, and be affiliated with this and meet these people. And I have to walk in these circles, you know, et cetera, for, for my business. And sometimes that involves evening, evening stuff, you know, and it just was, it was a fight. It just felt like it was always a fight um, for what I wanted to do in my businesses and then being with my family disconnect. So it got to a point where it was so much, it was so much that in end of January, early February of 22, I told God, um, I said, basically I told him I was done. I told him I was going to drag the ship. And what I meant by that was, uh, <laughs> essentially what it was is I was no longer going to teach and lead my wife. <clears throat> I was going to do what I felt was best for our family. And if that meant being at a business event in the evening, I was going to do it. If it meant, um, going to a Bible study or go to this church event or whatever it was, I was going to do it. And she was either going to get on board or she was going to get left behind and totally the wrong attitude to have. Right. But I was just so, it was so frustrated with everything that I was done. So I was like, I, I told God I'm going to drag the ship and I meant it. I was, I was like done. Like no matter what she said, no matter how arguments was, I was going to go do what I needed to do. So, um, and that was on the heels. The reason that that was so much is so after we got back from the hospital, we had COVID, the flu, and my daughter had an ER visit all within like a week or a week and a half timeline amidst all that postpartum, amidst the small house, all this stuff. So it was just this culmination. So fast forward a couple of weeks, end of March, 2022, um, meeting up with a, a pastor mentor friend of mine who I had not seen in, in many months, uh, but we'd known each other for probably eight years or so at the time. And um, I'm going to a diner here in town to get breakfast. And on the way, uh, I, 
I had a thought, not even a prayer. I had a thought and it was, I'm going to bring up all the marital struggles that I've been going through. Right. And, um, and then I immediately thought, you know what, I'm not going to do that. If the Lord wants to bring that up, like if the spirit wants to bring that up, I'll let him bring that up. That was, that was my thought. And so I roll into the diner. We start talking. It's been like a couple of minutes. Tell me about your life, buddy. He starts telling me he's been down in Dallas at this big national prophetic conference they have down there. And even though I grew up in, I miss this, even though I grew up in a, in a, I grew up in a variety of churches, right? A couple different churches between the vineyard, um, between a non-denominational church and between, um, and it, Hillsborough is a Mennonite community, predominantly Mennonite and Baptist community. And so, uh, after my mom passed away, all I went to was the, the Mennonite church in town. Cause it was big. All my friends were there. It's where I'd wanted to go for a long time, but my mom had, we'd been going to a different town for church forever. So I grew up seeing the full spectrum of churches, right? I, I saw the speaking in tongues. I saw the anointing with oil. I saw the, all the, the heavy prayer, the long services. And I also saw the, the more Mennonite side, which is probably a little bit less of focus and emphasis on the spirit, more heavy into the word, which is good, just different. Right. And it was really structured services. So I've, I've kind of seen the gamut, right. I've seen it all. And, um, so, but in that he tells me he's been down at the prophetic conference in Dallas and I'm like, mm, you know, I don't, I don't really know at the time how I feel about that. You know, it's just, it feels kind of, kind of odd. Right. And I'm like, but I'm really trying to not put the Lord in the box, but I'm like, I just don't know what I think about it, but I trust this guy completely with everything. Absolute stud. 27, I think years in the top of the air force, like absolute stud, everything he's touched. This guy has been blessed substantially. Everything he's ever touched has just turned to gold. The Lord has been with him for all of his life. He ended up, um, quitting a job he was very successful at and getting into ministry um, a couple years before that. So he's in his mid fifties now, but so we, we meet and he tells me he'd been down at this prophetic conference. And in that prophetic conference, there's like a thousand people there, right? And he's sitting in the second row one of the first couple rows and the guy's walking around stage talking about people that have been healed at that conference and all these different things. And he's like, his name's Steven. And so the guy, he's telling me this and the guy says, you know, I feel um, if your name starts with an S stand up, you know, and I'm like, you know, personally me, I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. You know, weird, wonky, wild, whatever. And then he says, the guy's telling people with the S to stand up, S name to stand up. But then he's, he said he completely stopped and he wheeled around and he looked at Steven, my, my friend and mentor, and he points at him and says, you stand up. And Steven looks around like me and all these people. He's like, yes, I have a word of the Lord for you. So Steven stands up and he says, you are about to level up in the spirit. And then he proceeds to tell him about two or three different things that Stephen had been praying for on the way down, right? Almost as like validation or like confirmation of the Lord speaking through him, right? And so I'm like, holy cow, like that's nuts. And this thing is like recorded, televised. I'm sure we can find it. Yeah, yeah. But um, but I'm like, I'm sitting there in this diner just like this, you and me, and I'm just like, holy cow. And all of a sudden, his Stephen's face just like his demeanor totally changed. And then he looked up from and also he was coming on, on the tail end of a 40 day fast, right? So this guy is in the middle of a deep fast in the middle of just getting this word that he's about to level up in the spirit, right? So then he's looking at me and he looks at me with this completely different demeanor. And he says, and now I have a word of the Lord for you. He says, until you are in unity with your wife, you will never step into what the Lord has called for you. And then he actually told me something else that I won't share on here, but, um, it was another, another word from the Lord for me, but, uh, man, so in that moment, it was not just like someone, Hey, I have a word for you. 
it was like a physical, tangible feeling. Like he told me that, but it, the best way I could describe it is like, if you've ever been watching a movie that's been like building up to this super intense moment and you kind of have that bass that's in the background that gets heavier and heavier and you don't even know you're listening to the bass and, until you're like, until you're in the moment, you're like, it's been building up and you're just watching. That was what it was. I felt this yeah. energy, physical, tangible energy. This like vibration that was going on. Yeah. It was like my vision was like almost tunnel vision. It was, I've never before or since felt anything like this. And um, it just was this actual energy, tangible energy. And he proceeded to tell me that until you're in unity with your wife, you are never going to, you, you will not step into what the Lord has called for you. And uh, he told me a couple other things. Holy cow. So we sat there for like two and a half hours talk. He told me that again at the end, um, after he kind of reverted back to like normal Steven. Right. And, uh, anyways, so I'm like, Whoa, like this is a lot. So at the end of the breakfast, I go to the bathroom and the door closes, just me in there. And I think to myself, why haven't I told my wife this? And what I meant was, why haven't I told my wife? Cause we, again, poor communication, whatever. But I just had not ever been like, I really want to be have a better marriage. I want to uh, be in a better space with you. I want better connection, essentially unity, right? I, I want more unity with you. And I just never effectively communicated that. I just continued to downslide in a frustration of, of my marriage. And so I had that thought, why have I not told my wife this? And immediately following that thought was the first time I heard the voice of, of the Lord. And he said, because she was not ready. And I just stopped in the room. I was like, what was that? Like that, you know, holy cow, mind blown, right? I was like, I, that's wild. So anyways, in the uh, um, Bible says that uh, you will know a, a false prophet by examining their fruit, right? And so I've been a, always been a big proponent of um, not prosperity gospel and also like the prophetic stuff and all the gifts of the spirit. I've been like kind of, you know, not, not believing, but kind of hands off. I just never have really been able to tangibly see it. And, you know, I was a science uh, major in college, got my bachelor's in science and definitely not using it now. Right. But in biology, but so I'm, I'm like a science, like analytical guy, like that's what, you know, I'm in finance. And so I'm, I'm analytical in certain areas and I'm like, I, I need facts in order to believe, right. I'm, I need facts. I have that open box because I've seen some things with my mom, but also I need, I need the facts. So uh, this was all very new for me, as you might imagine at that time, yeah. I go back to my yeah. office and, uh, man, I start, started praying and, and talking. I was just so excited. I never felt anything like it. I tried to tell my wife about what happened and I was so pumped. I could not. And so called her. Finally, she called me back. I was like, I can't tell you over the phone. got to tell you in person. <laughs> Looking back, there was spiritual warfare. Like I've, I haven't seen in a long time. Like it was, well, that's not totally true, but crazy spiritual warfare. I just didn't know it or recognize it. I tried to tell her every night for a month, for four weeks, every single night, I tried to just tell her that interaction, that encounter, and something was in the way, whether she was not, neither one of us was not in the mood to tell it, like just all these crazy things. So I had something on the way home happen that day that was just nuts and skewed everything. I was like, I got to be in the right mindset to like share all this with anyway. So it was, it was crazy, but eventually I did. And then it was like all that stuff just like stopped, went away. We'll talk back to that another time. Um, cause if, you know, for anybody listening to this, there are a lot of things that I might say, uh, you know, I don't know who all listens to this or who all is going to listen to this, but talking about like the spiritual things and then the Lord doing this and the Lord doing that, like that language, just try to, if, if you're not familiar with that or comfortable with that language, like try to reframe it because I may have been skeptical about that a lot. Just reframe it as, cause I could say, uh, you know, the Lord did this, but what I could really mean is 
the circumstance came up where this happened and I saw the Lord probably providing for that. Sometimes I know it's the Lord providing. Sometimes it's the circumstances where he could have provided. Uh, but sometimes I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It was God. A lot of these times, absolutely. I know it was God, but, um, just try to try to have your, your mindset, um, just open to what the Lord has in, in your own life as you go through these type of things. But man, anyways, I probably butchered how I explained that, but just, uh, don't discount something because it seems really strange, you know, or seems like it's overly spiritual, you know, just take a little pause and just hear the rest of the story. So, um, I mentioned that you'll know false prophet by his fruit. I had fruit falling off the trees. Like there was a, somebody shaking the, the apple tree. It was just falling all around. It was crazy. The conversations that I was having, you know, I didn't even know what was going on. I just felt, you know, multiple times, I felt like I should just call this person that I never call, called her, was able to, and I didn't even know what I was going to say. I just shared with her what happened. And then at the end of it, I was like, just know that the Lord hears your prayers. And she just breaks down crying because of all these things, right? I mean, so multiple experiences like that, prayers of the Lord, I, I just pray for an opportunity to share um, more of you with this person at like in the 8 a.m. in the shower, right? And then at 10 a.m., that person comes into my office. We haven't talked in like two weeks. Uh, just randomly comes in and sits down and is in the right space, time and vulnerable mindset to hear and receive what I have to say. I mean, just over and over and over several different things like that. Right. So much fruit. So that set me off. That was the moment that I was changed. Right. That was change. Number one. Yeah, totally. Or, or, you know, two change 2.0. Right. So, um, sure. but yeah. from that for the next several months, it sent me on this course of like, holy cow, my mindset was just wide open. It was not only do I do I understand that God exists because of the Bible and because I've seen experiences before through other people, like when things happen to you, you know, like it's not always easy to articulate to other people in ways that you're like, I just wish you could have been there in my body, in my mind to like know what I know. Right. I just want to take what's up here and put it in your head. But yeah, I know that God is real. I know that he exists and I know that he stepped down into my life. And I'm going to tell you, um, I didn't deserve it at all. I was not doing anything extra spiritual for him to come down and, and talk to me. Uh, I, man, it is a thousand percent by his grace and by his love and what I've come to. And finally also what I've come to fully believe and also know that it was from a lot of prayers from people before me from when I was young, possibly in very yeah. life before I was born. I mean, I, I tell you stories from another podcast probably, but Prayers matter. Words have power. Um, and the Lord hears you. Holy smokes. And being prayer over your, over your kids, over your family, like God hears that. We'll get into that another time. But um, it impacted my life dramatically. And it was not of my doing. It was not of my doing. So um, forever thankful, forever grateful for, for the Lord hearing, listening, and, and acting in my life. Very undeserving. So um from that moment, I just set onto this, this trajectory. It was like, I was kind of bobbing along as like a Christian that I thought I was doing mostly everything. Could I have been a little bit more fruitful and more intentional in my conversations? Yes. Could I have probably stopped, you know, having drinks with my buddies as often? Yes. Could I have, um, you know, probably started, you know, another Bible study. Could I have been in the word and prayer more? Yes. But I felt like I was just doing pretty decent for, for, you know, a believer. And little did I know there was just an entirely another level and another world that exists. And, um, and I'll even preclude that with there are substantially more levels and <laughs> of things to, of understanding and walk with the Lord well beyond where, even where, um, I've been very fortunate and blessed to, to be at with him now. Like 
I don't even know what I don't know. And I just know that there's so much more. And I know that there are people that are far, 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 far beyond me in their relationship with the Lord and gifts and things like that. So, um, yeah. So it's on the trajectory of just learning about him. Like what is like this Bible that I've been reading? It's not just like these old stories. Like these are like truths. Like people were living these lives and this is the character of God. Look at how he interacted with Abraham. Look how he interacted with Adam and Eve. Like, look at this. And so you start diving and dissecting some of those stories and it just gives you his character and his love for people. And so I was just pursuing Jesus and God right out of the Trinity. Um, if you're a believer, just know, uh, God, Jesus, Holy spirit. It's, it's, it is the Trinity. Okay. We can get into that. If anyone doesn't believe that, look into it. That's the biggest thing I'd say. If you have any questions about anything I say um, or anything that goes on, or even in your own life, the biggest thing that you could do wrong, the worst thing you could possibly do is not look into it. God wants us to question him. He wants us to look for the answers. He made the Bible full of different details that are almost hidden until you look for them, right? Just like Jesus taught teaching the parables. Um, he made them more complicated where you have to be willing to look into it in order to have understanding. So that's the furthest extent of my preaching brand. Amen. So, um, but that's, that's a huge foundational piece of this because why I started having more and more revelation of the Lord and, and pressing in and had many, many experiences since that moment I mentioned, um, is because I started pressing into God and looking for the answers. And it's not something that is unique to me. This is something that um, especially after talking to many, the Lord has been fortunate to be introduced to, to many other people that have dramatic stories as well. And it's always the same. They had an aha changed moment and they start pressing in and they start removing idols from their life. Like, um, your time, right? Like TV and the things you're watching and what you're thinking and what you're listening to. And they shift that attention to the worthy King Jesus who deserves all of that time and all of our attention and all of our thought along the lines that we still operate our businesses and sort our family. Right. But when you start pushing into that is when you start um, getting to know him on a level you've never thought because he's after your heart, right? If you're yeah, he's after your heart. So give him your heart, figure out and look into what it looks like for us to give him our hearts. So anyways, I started on a, a wild trajectory pursuing God, whatever it looked like. I was listening to a bunch of different sermons, to podcasts. I was talking to everybody I could talk to that were further down the road than me spiritually um, and just in a lot of prayer in my word, like, Lord, what do you have for me? I dedicate my life to you, my family, all these things. Um, you know, you can have, yeah, whatever my money, my time, my business, you know, whatever I'm going to, I was in the process looking backwards of figuring out how to move my life and my business and my family and taking that out from my stewardship and my operation and moving that under the operation of the kingdom. And I can get to that later down the road. But so then uh, I had a uh, pretty wild weekend, September of 2022. Um, it was in uh, the, the end of September. I was sleeping one night and I woke up to four even hits on my forehead, just like this. It was like, if you can see it, it was like, just like that, right? Enough to like, the first one kind of like drew me out of my sleep and it, it fully, you know, mostly woke me up. And I thought it was my daughter who had earlier come into bed with us, but I'm like, she was three or maybe four or whatever at the time. There's no, she doesn't have the, quite the rhythm. She's rhythmic, but she doesn't have enough to, to do exactly like that. And, uh, and I was like, lively, it was my daughter's name, lively. What are you doing? And, um, uh, no response, no movement from her or my wife. Right. And, um, then I had this thought and the thought was that happened. So I would know this is not a dream. And then it was the second time I heard the voice of the Lord. 
and he said, I have a specific plan for you. And, uh, and then I fell back asleep. He was like, he waved some wand and I was just like, like out, right. This literally <laughs> looking back, I'm like, what? That is weird. You know, just anyway. So it was very funny, but, um, not in the moment I woke up and I was like, that was weird. hundred percent knew that it happened. I knew it was not a dream. It like, I was fully awake as that, as that happened. And then I uh, didn't tell my wife. So it was Friday going to Saturday. So that happened Saturday in the morning, early AM sometime. And then Sunday, my wife goes to Target and keep in mind, we'd had three kids and our oldest, our youngest was six months at that time, approximately born in January, I guess. So eight months and runs into our, our OB at Target. We've been uh, frequent flyers at, uh, at our OB because, you know, three babies in three years, plus the front end stuff and the back end stuff, you know, so we've been seeing her for well over four years, pretty much consecutively. And, um, we had never one time seen her outside of the office. So she runs into her target and, you know, they're talking briefly and she says, are you ready for more kids? And Ellen says, Oh no, I don't think Ish wants anymore. And I don't, you know, maybe I want one more, but you know, definitely not right now. And Ellen tells me, she's like, she looked at me and it was kind of a weird look. And she said, I think he's more, Ishmael's more ready than you think he is. And, uh, and then they, Ellen was like, oh, ha ha, you know, and then they kind of like left and whatever. And I laughed when I heard that. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> like this is life is like just a bowl of chaos right now, like no chance. And um, so we were living in our new house at the time already at this point. And so uh, then, you know, I thought that was I just kind of dismissed that, honestly. Well, I shouldn't have dismissed it, dismissed it for too long because the next day was conception. So we ended up starting the process of a new baby the next day. Right. So it was this Saturday, Sunday, Monday combo. And um, yeah, it was it was wild. So then um, try to breeze through some of this. There's so many little mini stories that deserve like their own attention or, or honestly, even sermons about what the Lord has shown me or what I've learned through this. But so uh, Ellen has felt like with all of our four children that she is. Um, receive the name that she's supposed to name it from, from the Lord, from the baby, uh, for the baby. And I've always honestly been very skeptical of that. Cause I'm like, she wasn't, you know, exactly like diving in heavy pursuit of, of God at the time. It's not like she wasn't doing anything, but she wasn't, you know, it's like, why, you know, the question of like, why, why would the Lord just reveal a, a name of a kid to you? You know, what's the, the point of that, et cetera. But she's got these names that come into her mind and she can't get them out. It's like everything else is irrelevant. She can only think about that one name and it's a random, you know, usually it's a name that's not on our list or something like that. Right. Well, um, so this time six weeks and all these names are like six to eight weeks along. She gets the name and she's been right with the gender every time because of this, the name she gets. Right. Even the baby that we, we lost in five pregnancies and, um, man, so, uh, she gets the name Selah. And, uh, she's like, I think I, I got the name Selah. And I was like, oh, sure you did. Like there was a couple in our church, like a year prior that had named their girl that, and I loved it, told my wife and she's like, oh no, I don't like that name or whatever. And then all of a sudden, miraculously, you know, she can't remember that interaction. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. You know, definitely is a, definitely is the Lord this time, you know, but also I'm like, who am I to say that the Lord's not doing this? You know, so I'm keeping the, keeping the box open. And, um, but so she's like, it's a girl, you know, whatever. But it was our fourth and we had two girls and a boy. So we were going to not find out gender on this one. So we go along and then in the uh, first quarter of the year, she ends up developing a placenta issue. And so she ends up having all these like crazy bleeding situations that uh, just look like we're having miscarriages, et cetera. So she's like in and out of the hospital. Eventually she's on bed rest at home and then bed rest in the hospital. So for a month she was in the hospital between April and May of 23. And so during this time I'm getting 
extra time in my pursuit of the Lord because I have to be home with the kids. You know, it was a chaos trying to juggle life at that point, but I was listening to these sermons. So in that time, Brent, I ran into the first uh, sermon series that changed, like was the next level of changing my life. And it was by John MacArthur and it was um, called, uh, it was about Daniel and it was, uh, as I completely, I think I wrote it down here actually. Uh, oh, it was the uh, uncompromising life is what it was called. And so it's all about Daniel and a deep dive into how through all the hardest and most insane circumstances of being ripped away from his family, they were probably all killed. You know, he was in line for royalty or whatever in, in with the uh, with the people, the Hebrew people, and was ripped away, made into a eunuch like he just totally indoctrinated him as a teenager. Right. At the same similar age that I would have been, you know, when my mom passed away and they uh, they gave him all this nice stuff and essentially were brainwashing him to get him to go back after they trained him to go back and essentially have authority over his people, which hopefully would be more well received. Anyway, so it's a deep dive on all of that and <clears throat> how he compromised on areas that he could compromise, but was uncompromising no questions <clears throat> on areas that he should not compromise. And for him, right, it was the what he should and shouldn't eat. And we probably all, a lot of us know the story of Daniel, but uh, but also who we should pray to and who we should worship, right? And the seeing the Lord's faithfulness through that. And so that was just the, it was the right time, you know, the right place. It was just like a revelation for me where the, uh, <clears throat> the it just opened my eyes to how the Lord is faithful. And again, coming on the back of, I know that God is real. And I also know he's unchanging, right? The Bible says that God is an unchanging God. And so I'm like, man, he was so faithful to someone who was so faithful to him. And I'm like, I started looking at my life and I'm like, where am I being compromising? And I realized that it was being compromising a lot of things in my life, even though I was in the best place in my spiritual relationship with him ever. I was spending a lot of time on Netflix and Amazon Prime, you know, watching movies and shows that had nothing to do with with the spiritual world and, and advancing my relationship with God. And what I realized and what I'd already known through business and a lot of other things, right, is we only have so much capacity up here. And so what we put in is what we get out, just like what's on your heart is what ends up coming out of your mouth. And so I'm like, I'm putting not God things in my mouth and in my heart. And I'm also just like putting God in there with it. And I was like, I'm compromising on all these areas and a lot of, and it wasn't like I was watching terrible things, but it was stuff that just wasn't, um, if I was standing in front of God, he'd be like, why were you doing, what was the value in that? I'd be like, there was no value. It's a, a time filler. I was looking for happiness and fun and fulfillment in shows and in TV and in all these things. And they're, they're you know, and it was the temporary fulfillment. And what I had realized along the way is that the living, um, water of the Bible and of Jesus was I was substituting external things because they were faster and more tangible, um, at least I, in my mind, right, than what I was getting from from the Bible and, and from my interaction with the Lord. And so I immediately started substituting. I was like, I'm done. I cut it off and I started pushing into the Lord and I experienced just crazy, many, many times crazy things. But so after that series, he talks about how there was an angel that was coming to visit Daniel. And there was an angel that was coming to visit Daniel. And he says, sorry, I'm late, Daniel. I was held up by the prince, uh, the principalities of the region, which was the prince of Persia, I think is what it says, but essentially spiritual warfare, right? It was a, an, an angel, a fallen angel of the enemy of, of, that fell with Satan, who was hold, held, holding up um, an angel of the Lord. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought if it was like God's authority, then it just like went through. Like this is his will, it goes through. So obviously there's some kind of disconnect with the Lord's will coming up against, you know, it didn't hold him up forever, but it was a, a delay, right? And so I'm like, well, that's not how I thought things operated. So it made me go into, <clears throat> well, how does the spiritual world work? 
Like how does, if that was then and, and things haven't changed, then how does all that work now? So um, ended up finding a series from MacArthur also that was God, Satan, and angels. So it went through everything that the Bible says about who God is and what his character is and what he's like, who, who uh, Satan is, what his character is and what he's like, and what angels, who angels are, what the Bible says about them, um, what their character is and what they're like. And it was everything that I needed. It was a huge blueprint of the spiritual world, but it did not give me the day-to-day -day details of like now, right? So then I was like, all right, Lord, well, um, I need more like that. That doesn't, I started praying. I was like, God, I, need, I just need some answers. A couple days later, I had a work event that made me think of a buddy that I had not talked to in like four years. Um, and for a couple of reasons and, uh, still had a great, good relationship. Just were separated, um, from hadn't talked to each other in a long time. And, uh, I just thought of him and I messaged him, Hey man, how's life going? And he said, doing great, feeling, um, doing great, feeling more free than I ever have. And I was like, the heck does that mean? You know? And I was like, sounds good. Tell me about that. Like, what is that? And he proceeds to just reply with a, uh, um, a sermon series from Robert Morris, who I had not heard of at the time. He's a, a pastor of um, a church down in Dallas, of Gateway Church, massive, massive church down in Dallas. And uh, he talks about uh, Free Indeed is a, a, a really in-depth, a good sermon on spiritual warfare now, like in our lives and what the Bible says about it and all these things. It was exactly what I needed, everything I needed. I'm like, this is nuts. And so I recognize the Lord in that, right? That was absolutely the Lord orchestrating that. And, um, and then immediately following that, uh, had a series that popped up called, um, free indeed, which if you guys haven't seen that heavily, massively recommend it, it is about, um, or what did I say? Free indeed. Um, yeah, uh, you did free indeed. Yeah. What was, how, what's the, uh, I think I wrote this down. I can't believe it's been so long since I started talking about this. It's the, uh, the blessed life. Sorry. So free indeed is the, is the spiritual warfare one. Um, and then the blessed life is his same, his, uh, Robert Morse again, but it's on, um, money and everything the Bible says about tithing and giving and, and how to steward our money. But he has a very unique, unbelievable testimony. He was rough life. I'm not going to get into it, but a rough life and the Lord got saved in, in like 17 or 19 or something, but he frequently communicates with the Lord, you know, sent, I don't know, frequently, right? When you watch the series, it all seems frequent, but um, the Lord used him to teach people about money. It is crazy. And so I'll tell you why it's truth, why I know that it's truth. So I listened to that and I've been setting aside money and, and tithing 10% for as long as I can remember, right? That was something my mother indoctrinated or, you know, got, got into me. And so, um, but when I've started running my business and other businesses, you know, we had um, commercial and developmental real estate and, and some side private equity side business, et cetera. And, uh, and then my business where we, all of those things, right. We have, um, money coming in and out. Some of it is some of it's money that I never touch, right. Because it's principal and interest return. Mm -hmm. All of it goes back out 10, 1031 exchanges, things like that. Right. Or goes to pay staff, whatever money that I don't actually, you know, at the end of the day profit from. And so I didn't really know how to handle giving that money. Right. I'm like, well, I don't know. But so I just been setting aside my income that I kept uh, 10%. I set it aside in the bank account at the end of the year. I'd kind of pray along the year, Lord, if you have anybody that you need me to give this money to, et cetera. And then I would give it, um, to where I saw fit essentially, if I didn't hear anything or come across the circumstance. As I watched that video at the very end, Robert Morris says, uh, so he has this thing. He says, uh, um, 
he's like, I was reading in second Kings and it's with Solomon and Solomon or maybe his first King. And he slaughters the uh, typical, as he took over from David, David's son, Solomon, right? Took over from David, David and Solomon, massive lovers of the Lord, extremely blessed. Solomon takes over from David. I think the typical ceremony was they sacrifice like a hundred bulls or something like that. Well, Solomon steps in and sacrifices like a thousand, right? And God comes to him and says, ask anything of me and, and you will have it. And he says, I wish for, you know, he's like, I asked for more, uh, uh, more wisdom to guide your people. Right. And, you know, it says this pleased the Lord and whatever. So he got it. Well, so Robert Morris then says at at one point in my life, God actually asked me, he said, ask anything of me and you will have it. And he said, you know, he's like crying and he's like, I asked him for a wonderful, long lasting relationship with my wife. And I started crying, you know, it's like 12 AM and I'm on a Wednesday night, I'm sitting there holding my baby, you know, and whatever, who's sleeping on my chest and I'm bawling. And I'm like, Lord, that's what I would ask for. That's what I would ask for, you know? And, um, along the way, by the way, our relationship had gotten a little bit, a little bit better, but it still wasn't good, you know, as far as communication, all that stuff. And, um, but so the next day I woke up and so I had this feeling, by the way, it wasn't, I didn't hear a voice. This is really important. I didn't hear a voice. I didn't have a thought. It was just, I just had this feeling that immediately after watching that, that I should give 10% of every dollar that comes into my bank account, specifically that thought, give every dollar, uh, 10% of every dollar that comes into my bank account. As soon as I felt that, I was like, was that, I really thought I was like, kind of felt like my own thought, honestly. And I'm like, that's a scary number because again, a lot of that money I don't keep, it goes back out. Right. So it's, you know, not, it's not something I touch and I'm like, Lord, that's a pretty scary number. And, um, and I was like, I need you to affirm if that's, if that's what you were asking of me. And I got no affirmation at all. So anyways, in a, in a short time window, right? So it was like, you know, went to sleep, woke up the next morning and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to step into that faithfully because I know he's spoken to me before and uh, I'm just going to start doing this. And if he shows me something else, then I'll do something else. Like no problem. But I'm going to, I just felt it. So I'm like, I'm going to step into it. So got on my computer before everybody woke up, gathered up all the money that I had in my account and, you know, I hadn't been setting aside, it's been a crazy timeline with my wife. You know, we had, uh, you know, I'll, I'll come back to that point in the story as well. So I gathered up all the, all the money, um, that I had should have set aside and I gave it right. Never been in my life more happy to give money like ever. And that day I called my buddy, I had a two hour one way drive out to see a client and called my, my business, real estate business partner, shared with him what I had been through. He'd been up to date on my life and uh, as a strong believer as well. And he starts breaking down and he tells me about this dream he had had. And long story short, it was all about this, all of his real estate projects were going sideways. And then um, in his dream, he was just thanking God for all of his struggles, all of his blessings, all of his um, all of his family, all of his trials, you know, every, he's just like, thank you God for everything. Like I owe you everything, whatever you have of me, I will do. It's just like this. It was much longer, but it's this beautiful, beautiful prayer and dream of just surrender to God. Right. And I'm like, at the end of this, I'm just like, holy cow. Like I was calling to tell you something like you were, you were the one, you know, speaking to me. And so that was that. And, uh, so we'd had this commercial ground. We bought this ground, rezoned it. We had this small commercial section that we'd had listed for sale for like a year, right? This is uh, middle of last year. And um, the next night, my real estate partner calls me 
and he says, Hey, um, you're not going to believe this. I uh, actually get a call from a realtor I've never met from a, that has a client that I don't know who said, um, they remembered our property, which had come off of come had fallen offline, the listing or whatever dropped off because there was no interest. And it, uh, they had some, he, he remembered it and he was interested in it. So it wasn't even listed anywhere. It had been up for a year, no bites, right? He's like, Hey, he's got a plan. He wants to buy it, whatever. So I then, uh, I'm like, Holy cow, that's, that's wild. Um, like, thank you, Lord. Like that's, I feel like that's kind of affirmation. Right. And, um, later on the next week I was talking to my, uh, my main primary business partner um, in my business about everything that had been going on. I was just sharing with him what had happened. And I told him the amount that I had tithed. And I also mentioned that the 10 times the Solomon thing, right? The 10 sacrificing 10 times. And, uh, um, and then also that, uh, about the, the commercial ground. And I told him all these dollar amounts, right? I told him what, um, my percentage was of the, of the development. I told him what my dollar amount I tithed was. And he looks at me and he's like, do you know what that number is? And I was like, no, I, I didn't even really think about it. And he's like, the number of your percentage it was the, the total number and he did the math on what my percentage was. He said that the percentage, your percentage of the deal um, for the real estate is exactly 10 times what you tied. And I was like, holy cow, like no way. And then I was like, oh, you know what? It's actually not because it was a, it was like $28 less than I'd rounded up, right? It was like $28 less. So I went in my bank and looked and it was $20. Then I was like, you know what? I don't know what we actually listed that ground for. And so I, I messaged my business partner in real estate and he told me, and it was, um, it was like $5,000 less than what I had thought it was. And I did the math and it was just a, it was like a, just a, a few dollars more, um, like a couple hundred dollars more than 10 times what I had tied. So to me, that was a hundred percent affirmation. And I said this in, in the first time I shared this with a lot of people, but the Lord doesn't ever give, um, me, he would never, the Lord knows us better than we know ourselves. He would never give, um, a word to me or affirmation to me that only Brent would need. And he wouldn't give Brent a, a, you know, an affirmation that would work for me, but not for him. He would give to me what I needed. And in the moment, that is exactly what I needed to know that it was affirmation because we actually didn't even end up selling the ground, but we got the numbers there. Right. And so I was like, Lord, I'm like, I'm, I'm a thousand percent in whatever you have. And so just honestly, I've never been so excited. I look, I look forward to payday so that I can move money around to give it immediately. And so what I realized in this though, guys, was not that I was going to get blessed and that's what I'm excited about. What I realized was that I had a heart issue that I didn't even know about money. This is super important. My heart was, I liked seeing that balance build up in my bank account, almost as like a, an extra cushion throughout the year. I liked seeing it and I liked the control of being able to give that money where I wanted to. And instead, I, so I wasn't giving a whole lot to my local church because they're, they're doing all right. Um, and I wanted to give to the ministries that were speaking into my life. So I was given to MacArthur's ministry, you know, I was given a couple different places. And what I realized was from the blessed life is that we are called biblically to return our first fruits of whatever that looks like to the storehouse, which is our local church. Right. And then, so there's tithes, those are tithes. Then there's offerings, which are gifts above that. And then there's extravagant offerings, <clears throat> et cetera, but offerings and extravagant offerings are something that the Lord puts on your heart to do. It's not something that you're just like, oh, I'm going to go give away my house and expect that the Lord's going to reimburse that, right? It, it doesn't work like that. Like you need to hear that from the Lord. Anyways, so um, 
what the Lord did through that in my life was ripped out these idols of pride and comfort in seeing in, in, in control of my money. And since then, um, just to fast forward time, so we're running over an hour here. Since then, um, I've been praying for, you know, fairly frequently for the Lord, if he has uh, anyone that I should give money to, to let me know. And um, he shared that with me. I've had numbers, dollar amounts pop into my head uh, that I was like, was that me or was that like, that was weird. And then later that day, someone would call me and tell me, um, they're like one specific time. Someone was like, I really hate to bring this up. And I never asked for money before, but he was entering into ministry, quitting his job. He'd been bivocational for a long time, quitting his job and stepping into this. The same day that I heard those number or, you know, had numbers in my head. Um, and actually I was on the phone with him and I had those numbers come into my head when he just mentioned that he was going to be raising his own money, had dollar amount, a monthly and an annual amount, monthly and annual amount. And later he called me that day. He's like, look, I've been avoiding this, but the Lord's really put on my heart that I need to ask you and one other person to support my ministry. He's like, don't like, just pray about it. Just, you know, and he was real nervous. He didn't want to tell me, you know, because we, we were kind of friends. Right. So he's like, I don't, I don't want to impose. And I just started laughing. I kind of made him feel uncomfortable on purpose a little bit. And I was like, don't worry about it, man. The Lord already told me, you know, the numbers I should give you. So yeah, absolutely. Like the Lord will work in, in anybody if he has your heart. Right. So all this is everything that I ever say in here, it is about your heart with the Lord. And so getting your heart right. So anyways, let me go back quickly to what happened with my wife. So she's in the hospital, right? Um, on bed rest. We don't know the gender. And then in May we have an emergency C-section. Um, she says to me, I was like, should we pick out a name if it's a boy? And she's like, no, because if we, if it is a boy, I'm going to question everything that I've ever heard. You know, I've ever thought, is this from the Lord? Is this not right? And, um, yeah. So we didn't pick out a boy name. She's like, it's a girl. I got the name. Okay. Sounds good. And by the way, Selah is in the Psalms a lot. So that's the name she got in six to eight weeks. And it means uh, that a lot of people think it means to pause and reflect. And she'd been on bed rest the whole time. So we're like, ha ha, like, Lord, you got us like good one, you know? And um, so C-section, uh, emergency C-section time, I run to the hospital, get my you know gown on or whatever, the, the full body suit curtain goes up. Um, they do the, do the surgery, baby comes out. I look over, it's a boy. I'm like, that is a boy. And, uh, she's like, no, it is not, you know, and, and whatever. So we get a little bit of time. Baby needs to go to the NICU for some minor stuff. And so she's getting, you know, blood transfusion going through the whole game at a crazy time. And I'm in the NICU hanging out, you know, I'm just like, I'm really pumped because I'm like, man, the dream I had and, or the, well, not the dream, the, the night I had the, you know, the Lord or an angel or something tap on my forehead. Right. And tell me I have a specific plan for you was the same weekend of the baby. So I'm like, man, maybe this plan is like, I feel like this might be for my kids. Right. And, um, in some capacity. And so I'm like, this is a boy, like, this is, you know, wow, this is crazy. Even that our family is just all good. And my wife is furious. Ellen is just really mad. She's like, I'm questioning God. I'm questioning everything I've ever thought or heard from him. Like, what is this? And I'm going to reply to her on text. Cause she's in, you know, going through all this stuff. And I remembered in that moment, as I went to reply, what had happened with our second daughter and with our second daughter, uh, we didn't tell anyone the name. We told him gender, but we didn't tell the name. Her name's Violet. So we didn't tell, that was an, another name, you know, that Ellen got from, you know, she said she got from the Lord, which I believe she did. Uh, and the reason I believe that is because, um, right after she was born, in fact, the same couple that I just mentioned, um, that the, had gotten bivocational and was going full time that the Lord had put on his heart to ask us for, for, to help, you know, fund their, their, their church or his salary, uh, his wife, 
They come over, bring us food. And he says, after Violet was born, he said, the night before Violet was born, my wife sat up in bed and looked at me and said, and know what they're going to name the baby. They're going to name the baby Violet. And again, we hadn't told anyone the name. And so they told us that and we we're like, that is so weird. And I've known the wife from growing up, right? From small town. And she's kind of had a history of like knowing some things she shouldn't, you know? And, uh, and I was like, that is wild. But it was really like a why. It was another one of those moments. Like, why would the Lord reveal that to you? And after, and we forgot about it for years, we forgot about it. And then in, so that was October of 2020. Now here we sit in May of 2023. And in the moment I go to reply, that memory just immediately flooded my mind. And I was like, holy cow. I was like, don't doubt the power of the spirit in our household and the Lord working. Do you not remember when the Lord revealed our daughter's name to, to Kendra before, um, before she was born? And she was like, oh my gosh, I forgot. So anyways, we go pray together. Like, Lord, what do you want us to name this baby? We don't really get anything. So we start going down the path and making the decision. She end up liking the name Wilder and end up picking out middle name Stone. And we tried to fit Sayla in there, you know, didn't really fit well. And so ended up with Wilder Stone and um, we we're almost ready to solidify the middle name, right? And we messaged our friends from a, a different state and said, it's a boy, we don't have a name yet. And he goes, oh, let me give you two suggestions. And the names were um, Rockwell and Rourke. And he's like, Rockwell and his explanations were that um, one was for Peter, uh, the rock, which Christ Church was built on. And the other one was um, for like the rock in the wilderness when the Israelites were wondering, that was like a symbol of God's faithfulness to them. Right. And he had no idea any of the things that had been happening to us outside of the baby. He knew we had told them the story of, of the dream that weekend, right. The three day, you know, events, but they knew nothing else. And all of a sudden he comes with two rock names. Right. And uh, when we were deciding on stone, which we didn't tell him, and so I'm like, oh man, does that solidify it, Ellen? She's like, no, doesn't. She's still mad, you know. She's like, no, it doesn't solidify it. I don't know. And uh, later that night, I'm messing around, um, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I should look at what Stone translates to in other languages. Maybe there's some cool connection in there. And uh, all of a sudden, on Google, it popped up and it said Ishmael, obviously my name, father of the Arabic nation, right? Because you know Abraham and Sarah had Ishmael, with, or well, Abraham and, and uh, Haggai had Ishmael and then they get cast off. And then, you know, the whole, that's basically how the Arabic nation started. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. I actually don't know a ton about that. So I clicked on it. And then I was like, you know what? I wonder what stone translates to in Arabic. And um, the first thing that popped up from the bump, which is a, a web, bump.com baby name website and um, some other, some two, two websites back to back, both in Hebrew and Arabic stone backwards from, uh, again, Arabic and Hebrew translates to Selah. And I was just like, holy cow, like, Lord, that's like incredible, unbelievable. Right. So then we're like, all right, yeah, that's it. So we lock it in um, and go home. And anyways, had those experiences at home between the um, the, the blessed life series where we found out about the money and then also the um, the free and deep time after that. And then just was a really sweet time with the Lord learning a lot. I shared my testimony for the first time where it was recorded. Um, at a church that my same pastor I met in the diner, um, shared at his church. And uh, so many things have, have happened since then. But the one of the main ones, and I'm probably forgetting a little bit of this, but for time's sake, um, in December of this year of 23, so just like a month, a month and a half ago, I was, uh, I had felt that I needed to develop more of my relationship with Holy Spirit, the person, not the power, right? Because I even though I grew up the way in the church systems I grew up, it was always like God and Jesus, God and Jesus. And like the Holy Spirit was kind of this like acting force. Didn't really know a lot about it or 
you know, think about it. It's always just God and Jesus. So really felt this, this push and this call to, um, dive into that. And so I'd started this series. I, first of all, I developed an earache over the course of a week. It had gotten consistently stronger every day to the point where, you know, after I grew up, you know, I grew up drinking this lake water, like swimming in this lake, you know, horrible blue green algae, all this stuff. So my immune system's, um, humbly, my immune system is immaculate. Like, thank you, Lord. Like I don't get sick very often. Metabolism is great. Like just whatever. But this was really getting me like it was starting to starting to get bad. So my recommended call, call medicine out. I did. I was on the way to pick it up from after work by myself on the highway. I just started the first uh, sermon series from a um, uh, pastor I found online named Vlad, uh, who has an amazing testimony as well. You might recognize him if you see him because one of his eyes is a little bit uh, a little bit off from birth or something. But uh, man, that guy is is incredible, incredible story. But he's, he has this online class that's free and it's about diving more into um, developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I finished the first first course, got a phone call, interrupted, was going to go back to it and had this thought. And the thought was, I haven't really prayed for my ear or really anything else that's ever been wrong with me. You know, I'm not sick a lot, but I, I just never really pray for myself, just take medicine, whatever. And uh, my first thought was genuinely, that's a complete waste of his time because this isn't that bad. And then I was like, well, that's really dumb. Obviously, I know it's not. Nothing is a waste of his time, right? And then my next thought was, it's not, can he do it? Because I know that he can. Will he do it? And I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm just going to pray for it. So I took my hand off the wheel, put my hand on my ear. And I said, Lord, I just pray that you heal my ear. Just like that. Put my hands back on the wheel. And about five seconds later, I felt this little pop in my ear. It was like, Somebody like flicked water in my ear or something. It's probably the drainage that was coming from that. And it just, I had, it was, it was bad enough that I had the, felt the tube in my throat was inflamed. You know, I turned my head, I swallowed, I could feel it all, you know, tugging on my ear all the time. And I just felt this pop and then it just kind of went down my neck like that. And I was just like, I was probably a zombie in the car. I was like, didn't, I was scared to move, scared to think. I was like, there is no way, there's no way that that just happened. And I, I was like this. And I just remember I turned my head to test it. I was scared to do anything. I was like, there's no way that was real and no pain swallowed, no pain, you know, grab my ear, no pain. In fact, it felt better than it had been before it was hurting. And I just started screaming in my car and I can only equate it to, uh, I was just like, yeah, like, no, way. you know, doing the whole thing, you know, people driving by and you're like, this guy's listening to like heavy metal or something crazy. Right. And, uh, but I can only equate it to, I probably reacted the exact same way that the, the blind man from birth and the paralytic acted in the Bible when they got healed. And I'm just a little ear infection. Like I was, I was going nuts, man. I'm like, this is nuts. So that was, that was wild, man. I got home. I told my whole family, you know, I spoke, I, I, I shared with everybody, um, <clears throat> my extended family when they came over from, uh, for, uh, an early Christmas. So it must've been like the first or second week of December. And then I shared it with my other side of family. Like I just couldn't get enough of telling people, I'm like, this is unbelievable. And, um, man, just really increased my faith a lot. And, uh, and in, in a lot of ways. And so if you ever have doubts, you know, it does the Lord heal. Does he work? Does he speak? I am a living walking testimony about that a thousand percent. And if you start, if I, I think what I've found is that I grew up in almost in echo chambers. And so if sure. you're on the, if you're on the, you know, the more charismatic Pentecostal, et cetera, side, like where it's just heavy on the spirit, like sometimes we're all humans, right? And so we kind of fail in, in being, in stewarding that, or even discerning that, like almost a little bit like my mom did, like, when is it the Lord? When is it me? Sometimes we fail in that it, it builds almost this wonky, maybe we don't communicate it well with people who aren't experiencing that, 
right? That's that echo chamber. You can talk those that language to people that have been through it or that feel that. But if you're not, haven't gone through that or, or don't have, aren't at that place in your walk with the Lord, like that sounds real weird. And so um, we essentially build these little tribes all around when the reality is, is that we serve a God that is over all of that. But we all have different experiences with him because we are the hands and the feet of the body Christ, and the arms and the legs and the toes. Everybody has a different piece that they are with the Lord. And so they're in their walk. And so as we press into him, as I encourage all of you and hope this massively increases your faith as we. It's uh, going to help a lot of people. It's yeah, gonna be good. I, I hope so, man. I hope everybody takes this and, and and looks for truth in this. Like, Lord, what do you like? I pray, um, you know, very frequently. I say almost every day, but I pray almost very frequently. Lord, I want less of me and more of you. Show me truth. Like, I don't want to ever walk in a space where I think like my mom did, like where I think something is me or, or think something that's the Lord, you know, speaking to me or I should do this or whatever. But, um, and it's me, you know, I, I don't want that. And so Lord, only truth. And when you pray those things in the Bible, this is specific in the yeah. Bible, last preaching part, right? But as we pray these things, like when um, you at, when our will lines up with what the Lord's will is, with what God's will is, it says what what a good father would withhold gifts from his son, right? Or, or his children. Yeah. He's <clears throat> what father would withhold good gifts from their son. That's what it is. The problem is when we pray, a lot of times we think that we we only ask for the things that we think are good for us. But he sees not only what is would be possibly good for us in the moment, he sees what's going to be the best for us in the near future long future, whatever that or is. He's, absolutely. He's, he, he operates outside of time and yes. Um, but yeah, man, this is, gosh, this is, man, this is so good. Listen, I'm, I'm like super encouraged and I know our listeners are encouraged. We're um, for everyone that's, that's tuning in today. We're going to have more with Ishmael because him and I are buddies and we've, we've talked quite a bit over the last couple of weeks and, um, his, his whole, his whole, his whole journey is just, it's encouraging is an understatement. So I just want to say, man, thank you. Thank you for coming on here. Yeah. And, and thank you for just sharing and, and, and just everything that you're doing, um, to just walk out everything that you have been changed through, but also just boldly to listen to the Holy spirit and to know that taking action on his word and his voice mm -hmm. and the the impartations that he's given you is just it's awesome yeah and um with that i just i'm going to include in in the show i'm going to include how you can reach out to ishmael if you want to find him talk to him Absolutely. um just read more about him see see what he's about um there's actually a link to another testimony that he did at at his really awesome church venue. It's just awesome. I've watched it. It's, it's great. And you'll be able to go and check that out as well. And, um, it's going to bless you. So okay. I, I, I want people to know that they can also find you there as well. But, um, with that until next time, keep walking out your change, everybody. Thanks so much.